Hey, Digitally China is produced together with our friends at Radii, this awesome independent media platform. If you're interested in culture and innovation in China, you should definitely check out RadioChina.com. They'll give you an inside look into everything from China's underground music scene to bike sharing. That's R-A-D-I-I-China.com. A lot of people try to compare it to Snapchat, but I think it's actually Snapchat plus Instagram plus Douyin or TikTok, right? As we call it in the West. So I think it's 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 more than just Snapchat. That's for sure. So today we're going to talk about a very new social messaging app in China called Douyin that's trying to do the impossible, which is take on WeChat. So for listeners who don't know, WeChat is the social messaging app in China and has over a billion monthly active users. So pretty much everyone in China uses it to talk to their friends, also to buy things because it has a mobile wallet. So if you take a cab, you go buy groceries, you go to the restaurant, all these things can involve WeChat. Yeah, this is actually very interesting considering WeChat got a more dominating position in China than Facebook can ever dream of in the West. And this actually feels like one of those David versus Goliath fights with a small startup fighting against the dominating Tencent, a position that no one thinks you can beat. Okay, so we all say welcome to Digitally China. Yeah. All right, I'm recording. Yeah. Okay. Welcome to Digitally China. A podcast about the fascinating Chinese, Chinese tech, tech industry, industry created together with Radii. I'm Eva. I'm Jacob, and I'm Tom. So, according to various studies, China's gaming industry is now, in fact, the largest in the world. You may know their messaging app called WeChat. Chinese outbound M&A. Chinese corporates are buying international yeah. companies at record pace. The hottest phone you've probably never heard of. China's Xiaomi, yes, it's state, its claim to Apple's credit. Major deal over in China. You have Chinese tech giant Tencent leading an $8.6 billion acquisition to buy a major stake in Supercell. $14.3 billion in sales clocked by a Chinese e-commerce site in one wild day. So to understand more about the social trends driving the development of Douyin, we spoke to Ashley, who is an expert and watches the social media space in China very closely. Hi guys, my name is Ashley. I run a digital agency in Hong Kong and a training company that helps marketers to understand Chinese social media. So Douyin has been online for about a month now, or a little bit more, and. After playing around with it a little bit, considering I have no friends in the TikTok space, you know, because I don't use TikTok daily, I really had a hard time understanding what makes this app actually good and how it can compete with WeChat. So to be honest, like when I did open the app, the UI and the UX is still pretty crappy, and maybe it's because it's only been online for a month. Typical, like first build it out, get user feedback, and then adjust it.、Mm-hmm. But Douyin, at its core, is a Video sharing app, so maybe not that different from TikTok in some ways. There's this huge button. You can record short videos using that, so you can do like、uh, what you ate for breakfast, your beach holiday, whatever people like to share. And these videos only last for seventy-two hours. And then there's another part, which is social messaging, which is 
pretty straightforward. You just message your friends. And then the last part is called the world. And that's where you can browse public videos. So stuff that people are willing to share with strangers. Huh. And there are features that are interesting and a bit unique, but you only discover them through chatting with other people, which is tough if you're not really active in TikTok. So, for example, I was messaging a friend and I, I realized that whenever you type a word, it will suggest a corresponding sticker for it. So, for example, if you write like, ha ha, a sticker, different emojis and memes and stickers related to ha ha or laughing will pop up. I haven't used it enough to know whether or not this is an annoying feature or if it's cool. But I do think it's interesting. You know, they're taking it, the trend of young people using emojis very seriously, or at least they're experimenting with it. If we make a direct comparison to WeChat, what it feels like for, when it comes to the chatting experience and writing text, they try to make it a little bit more fun and interactive to probably appeal to the younger target audience. And for the entire app itself, they also are trying to appeal to a younger target audience and therefore kind of videos and Snapchat-y type of features are more central instead of only text and audio. Yeah, I think... The opportunities that are kind of presented by the younger generation China, it's pretty important because WeChat, for people like you and me, Tom, you know, we're no longer young, <laughs> so at least not in the world of you know, digital users, I think we, it's quite hard to convert us. Um, and it's not that we have to pick one or the other, but I think it's harder for us to uh, adopt to these new yeah. platforms. So I think the young generation is quite important. And actually, when I was talking to Ashley, she pointed that this out as one of the key trends um, that's opening up space or opportunities for apps like Duoshan. In terms of Duoshan, right now they are trying to launch a new app based on videos and social. They are trying to make it personal. So it's not just random people, you know, commenting on each other's content, but people that you know. So essentially they want to relocate this personal tight uh, relationships from WeChat uh, onto Duoshan, but this is still very far away. So that is why they also start with a younger market, younger demographics. Uh, to They try to release their social pressure because younger people do not want to publish something that could potentially, in a couple of years from now, hurt their reputation. They don't want their parents to figure out. They don't want, right? So if you publish something and in 72 hours it's gone and you're the only person who can see it and access it and you can also delete it and have control over it, that's attractive to younger generations. If you go on a Doshan profile, all you will see are these very ephemeral disappearing stories. Stories has become this weird generic term for disappearing videos, right? So all you see are stories. There's no permanent feed of curated photos or videos. Like for TikTok, you do have this. So if I'm like um, a social influencer, I'll probably have like a nice curated collection of my videos. So if, if someone goes onto my profile and they want to know what I'm about or my brand is or why I should watch their videos, I can see very clearly from their profile. Yeah. But on Doshan, because everything disappears, you have to to constantly create content basically you share your life on the go without you know without overthinking it so you're having lunch you're, you're, you're basically snapping a picture or a video and you put it out there so you tell all your friends or whoever is watching you that all oh, you're having healthy lunch and avocado is on the table so it basically takes a bit of um, a bit of that um, pressure off 
um, in terms of the quality of the content that you put out. So it's not about creating content. It's about documenting what's happening in your life. And people generally enjoy it, especially those that have something to document. And people that watch them, they love watching it because, you know, they see a real person going through his or her day. Yeah, it actually makes sense from so many different perspectives. Uh, number one, obviously, you know, if you ever want to compete with WeChat or any product that's got mainstream usage, you need to find one vertical and go after it first and make it awesome, right? And from there, you can probably grow. So it makes sense from, you know, ByteDance perspective to go after the younger generation considering, you know, the success they've had with TikTok. But from the other perspective also, I, I really think Ashley's comments about social pressure makes sense. Because for an example, you know, we usually refer to Tantan, the Tinder of China, as just a copycat of Tinder. But in the Chinese society with the young people in China, a Tinder-like service actually means way more for the young people because it is the same thing. It relieves social pressure. You don't have your mom calling you about if you found a date yet or anyone to marry. And instead you can, you know, kind of take power and control over your own life. While Tinder in the US is literally just a tool that makes it more efficient to date. But without Tinder in the United States, you still have a culture of dating and people talking to each other at bars and, you know, social happenings where you can actually meet people. And it feels a little bit the same thing if we are to compare Snapchat for young people in the United States and the function it feels for them versus a Snapchat type of product in China and what that actually means for the young people here. Yeah, and I think one of the big gripes people have about WeChat sometimes is that it blends your work and personal life. Yeah. So if you go on your moments or, you know, the term for WeChat's newsfeed, you'll see stuff from your coworkers, people you've met through work, like, for example, people that I've interviewed, you know, I inevitably add them on WeChat, probably. I see their stuff. Mm -hmm. Like any social network, it's a bit harsh to delete people after you don't talk to them anymore. So you kind of accumulate all these random people from your life, many of whom you don't speak to anymore, right? And when you go on your newsfeed, that's all combined together. Mm -hmm. And if you post something, you have to do something very specific to make sure only certain people see it. So I know some people will tag people and put them into different groups in WeChat. And then you can say, I'm going to share this, but only people from my family group can see it. Yeah. But I think um, it's quite annoying, right? So I think that because it disappears, there's less burden or, you know, you don't have to think as much about curation or how people will perceive it. Yeah, and it makes more sense for young people because, you know, if you look at you and me as users, Eva, I mean, honestly, we have pretty boring lives. We are becoming older, we have jobs, wow. and we don't do anything and especially we didn't grow up in that type of social media environment where we actually want to share a lot of dancing videos and funny stuff you know so there is less things from our personal life that would collide with the kind of image or perception we need to have because of our professional lives but for a young person let's say a university student that just you know uh, went into the professional life started working at KPMG or whatever you know what they do on their in their personal life and the KTV songs they do and the content they like is so different versus what you want your colleagues at KPMG to see 
Yeah, so so far what we've mentioned isn't unique at all. You know, like stories, that's pretty ubiquitous in Western social media. I think it's actually fascinating that it hasn't taken off earlier in China, Mm -hmm. right? Like Snapchat launched its stories in 2013. It's 2019 now. And I think like the direct messaging, obviously not unique. But I think what is different is the AI capabilities in Duoshan. So when I was speaking to Ashley, she brought up a very interesting point. You know, she was taking a video of her colleague celebrating their birthday. So it was like that typical scene where her colleague is sitting in front of a birthday cake. Mm-hmm. And in um, Duoshan, you can put music with the video that you post, the story that you post, which is very TikTok-like, yeah. right? And it will suggest songs for you. And Ashley said that when she tried to upload this video of her colleague sitting in front of the birthday cake, I think the first song that it recommended was Happy Birthday. So that's pretty crazy because I think it means that the app recognized that it was a birthday scene and that that would be the most appropriate song to play. Wow, that's crazy. That's like the things we've been talking about without having 100% confirmation that, you know, TikTok probably has really good AI to understand the videos in order to recommend the right videos for people to watch. But this is like next level of that and being able to in more or less real time figure out what type of video it is and therefore, you know, make the user experience better and make the content automatically better. Yeah, and it makes me think again um, back to two years ago when... Uh, ByteDance, which is the company behind TikTok and Duoshan, when ByteDance had their AI conference in Beijing, um, the head of the AI lab talking about how image recognition is so powerful because it's language agnostic. So even if we weren't in China and we uploaded a birthday scene like you're in the US, as long as there's a cake with candles um, and they recognize that, then they can they will probably recommend this happy birthday yeah. song. Um, and, and so they can tag similar content without having to process what people are saying, which I think is really, um, really cool and also powerful for content curation. Yeah, right? it, This is brilliant. And this is the type of things that actually makes a company build immense, you know, unique value and technology. I mean... The more I think about it, the more it feels like this is the main strength of the company. They have AI that understands videos and images better than anyone else. Yeah, and I think what was interesting is that Ashley then said that she tried later on to shoot a video where her colleagues were saying Shenyu or Happy Birthday in Chinese, mm-hmm. and it didn't trigger the same recommendation. And I don't know if that means that their capabilities aren't strong enough, or maybe it indicates that ByteDance is really strong or stronger in image recognition, but because it's been focused on video, um, its voice recognition capabilities aren't that strong, which would mean yeah. that would make sense, right? Um, visually, it wasn't, yeah, visually it wasn't obvious that it was a birthday video. It was just audio. Hmm. So I think that's pretty cool. And also, I guess a, a brief aside was that at the same conference, the AI had Ma Weying, he also said something like, um, it's a way to make use of all the data that the Chinese market develops and apply it outside of the market. So basically, you train the algorithm on Chinese videos um, but because images and videos are language agnostic, you can use this for the world. Yeah, definitely. This example just made my belief about ByteDance being able to compete on the global stage, you know, much, much higher 
when they actually can implement their knowledge and technology into actual use cases. So I think it's worth talking now a bit about the app's many disadvantages, because to be honest, it's very obvious that it's super early phase. And, you know, one of the big downsides is TikTok doesn't really have a good social network. It doesn't have a what people call a social graph, so basically a map of people's friends and contacts. And that's the core of any social messaging app, and they don't have that, which is what Duoshan is supposed to be. Yeah, and if I translate this right, they're trying to kind of do a Snapchat type of service with disappearing videos as their main product, supported by instant messaging, of course, to actually build up this social network that can be leveraged further. Right. And I also think that um, even the disappearing videos part has a bit of a downside. And actually, I think Ashley spoke about this and she made a good point because since I use Instagram stories so much, I'm kind of biased towards them. I really like the feature, but she brought up a really good point. It's not blogger friendly. It's not good for KOLs. And we know um, uh, from the success of um, Weibo, from the success of WeChat, or right now Xiaohongshu, bloggers are so important in China to lead a certain behavior, to lead behaviors. So, yeah, if bloggers are not there, they're not motivated. Uh, that could be a problem. At the same time, maybe people are actually going to get used to that, they're going to accept it, and they're going to enjoy it. On one hand, I think influencers or micro-influencers, i.e. bloggers or whatnot, are super important for the growth of the platform because they create good content. They create stories that makes you know readers or listeners or whatnot actually sticky to the product and, and stay there and come back for new great content. But on the other hand, it makes everything spammy. For example, I really hate that of my WeChat friends moments experience. There's so many influencers or micro-influencers on there that somehow has added me and they're posting all this stuff. You know, it doesn't feel like real stories. It just feels like advertisement all the time. And it feels a little bit like that Dorchan is trying that angle, right? They're trying to create a platform where you only communicate with your friends, nothing more. I, I think there are enough platforms like that in China. So basically, like an argument could be made that Dorchan has the perfect timing because you have TikTok, you have Xiaohongshu, Red, you have WeChat, you have Weibo, you have all these platforms and even Tmall and JD has a lot of content platforms. That's only about one-to-many communication, i.e. someone that really knows makeup. They do videos or content or whatnot for you to learn from them and get inspired. But a reaction to that should be that users also want to have a more private space where they want to communicate with only their friends, where, where they don't need to feel judged and need to think about the quality of the video and the content you're posting and actually just communicate them in a more efficient way. I really feel that the product is very different versus WeChat. Like, can we really claim this being a WeChat competitor? Part of me feels that the social messaging part is overstated, but um, they do have a wallet feature inside Duoshen. So you can link your bank card, um, you can send red envelopes. So 
you know, people are saying one of the reasons why they launched mid-January is because they wanted to catch Chinese New Year, which was early February this year. So they could do a bunch of red envelope campaigns, like basically incentivizing you to bring your friends in. Um, something else, which is also in, tic- uh, in Douyin, probably TikTok as well, is the button that lets you kind of migrate some WeChat contacts over. So basically you share the special code in a WeChat chat group and everyone can copy that code and then like open it in Doshan and those those contacts are imported. Anyway, like that is specifically about migrating your WeChat contacts, right? So WeChat has tried to block Douyin links inside the app, similar to what it does to Taobao. So I think it's probably only fair for Duoshan to do something so pointedly, like leave WeChat and come here, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, I think WeChat's feature is a direct competitor to TikTok. They're trying to grab users uh, and they're all a bit late to the game. But, you know, um, they should try because they're losing a lot of users to TikTok or Douyin right now. And I think the right way to go for Douyin would literally be that thanks to TikTok, they have built the user behavior among young people that the first thing you do is to snap a video. It's not take a photo that Instagram educated in the West, or it's not writing a message that WeChat educated the previous generation. And based on that new user behavior that they've educated hundreds of millions of young people to do, they are just launching a more private or personal type of app where you use that same behavior, but you use that in deeper communication with friends and family. So I think so far, like, you know, and Ashley said this as well, and I think you would agree, which is that Doshan is pretty early stage. And at this moment, it's not a threat to WeChat per se, especially because it's so lacking on the social part. And um, even though it grew quite quickly over Chinese New Year, I believe it hit something like 7 million daily active users around Chinese New Year due to its red envelope or kind of cash gifting uh, marketing campaigns. But then a few days later, like it dropped around 3 million daily active users. So the retention is not that great right now. And I think it's because its social functionalities aren't that great. But I, I think it's still, even knowing that, I think it's worth discussing because then the company behind Duoshan, which is or ByteDance, they have grown tremendously over the past few years. And I think they're one of the few Chinese companies that's been able to be so successful overseas. So I think already TikTok is very popular outside of China, right? Like it's in number two, or at least in the top app rankings, ahead of Messenger, Facebook, and Instagram too, I think. That's really impressive because, again, I don't think many Chinese tech companies have been able to first test their product or be successful in China and then so quickly scale overseas and get a very loyal user base. And also, I guess I wanted to add something which is not video or content related. So recently, I think last week, Douyin, so the Chinese version of TikTok, launched mini games inside of the app. So for a bit of context, mini games also took off over the past year or so in WeChat. So these are in-app games um, that you don't download separately, you know, as a separate app on your phone. 
Douyin now lets you play a lot of different games, including stuff like you know Supercell's Clash of Clans. So it's become like an entertainment hub, sort of. And I think gaming is an incredibly lucrative space in China, right? Developers can make、uh, advertising revenue. Inside Douyin now because they've opened up these mini games, which is I think it could be really huge, right? And also, gaming makes up more than half of Tencent's revenue. Like gaming is a real cash cow in China. So if Douyin can make it work, I mean that's just something else、um, that they're building off of their incredibly popular video sharing app. Yeah, I think. The main reason that makes me think that ByteDance can do an app that competes with WeChat is based on everything they've done so far, and this company is just so impressive. I mean, first they started with a media app, and you know, if you were a few years back have gone to VCs and say, "Hey, I want to do a media app." In China, no one would have given you money because you're not supposed to do independent media in this country, right? And especially if you are saying, "No, my plan is to reach like hundreds of millions of users and not get shut down." I just love the attitude of this company. You know, they are the smallest company compared to Tencent and Alibaba and Facebook and Google and all those, right? But basically, what they're doing is that they are in the West. Competing heavily with Facebook, we know that's serious considering how many users they've already grabbed, and considering Facebook have launched Copycat, trying to compete with ByteDance and TikTok. And at the same time, they are on their home market in the largest internet market in the world, taking on Tencent and taking on WeChat, and also taking on Tencent's main revenue channel, Games. I mean, where will this end? You could ask the question: Are they maybe trying to do a little bit too much, too fast? But you know, you gotta love the attitude at least. We started this episode with the question: Can Douyin compete with WeChat, and can ByteDance compete with Tencent? And considering everything they are doing so far, at least they are trying while competing with Facebook in the West. I believe that China is. Such a complex market. It's more like Europe, you know. There are、uh, in China 34 distinct markets. They can be cities, they can be provinces, they can be municipalities. So、uh, there are 34 distinct markets. And people, you know, living in Shanghai and people living in Urumqi and people living in Guangzhou、uh, like different things, different content, different、um, formats. And that's why,、uh, you know, platforms like、um, Toutiao or Douyin or right now Douyin have a huge potential in China. Is because it is so diverse. There are demographic groups from second, third, fourth tier cities that are excited to, you know, to adapt,、um, you know, storytelling. Through videos to adapt new formats, new styles,、um, and you know, essentially they have huge pool of these kind of customers. I think in the home market, and I think the broad consensus or how people think about China's tech industry now is that there's very few opportunities left. And I think it's not just China, right? Like in the U.S., Google, Facebook, or Fang, right? Like you have these cohorts of. Incredibly powerful and enormous tech companies that make it very difficult for startups to carve out a space for themselves. So, I think with ByteDance, Douyin, you know, Douyin, TikTok versus Tencent, WeChat, etc.,、um, I think in China, what's interesting is that there are still these opportunities left. Like that's what、um, ByteDance kind of shows, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess the only thing that's going to be a huge challenge for them. 
is if Tencent and Facebook start pushing back very hard at the same time. Because then the question is whether they have the bandwidth to handle competition from both of them at the same time, considering how much users and how much money these two companies have. So thanks again for listening to Digitally China. As usual, if you have any feedback or suggestions, we would love to hear from you. You can contact me on Twitter. My handle is Eva W X I A O, and my handle is T O M X I O. And see you in two weeks. 